everybody, and welcome to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that, you guessed it, make us feel seen. Uh, in this episode, we are going to look at 19... Oh my god, I'm so excited about this. We are going to look at 1991's The Silence of the Lambs in an audacious offering of Clary Starling of the character of choice through the eyes of my co-host for today, Molly Quinn. Plus, at the end of the show, I'm going to talk a little bit about, since we're on a, a nun theme for today, I'm going to talk a bit about uh, Benedetta and the Last Duel and the sort of uh, assumptions assumptions of cinema that we're making about movies coming in theaters we haven't necessarily seen yet. But without further ado, in this moment, let me give my co-host a proper introduction. She is an actor and producer who you may recognize as Alexis Castle. In a previous point in her career, the daughter of the title character of ABC's hit show, Castle, that starred Nathan Fillion, but now you can see her in the upcoming film, Agnes, Molly Quinn. Welcome, Molly. Is there anything else we need to know about you before we get started? Uh, no, that was perfect. That was that was great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, catch the double of Benedetta and Agnes, guys. Go get go get a Paul Verhoeven and a Mickey Reese under your belt this holiday season. <laughs> That's a lot for one day, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe spice it out. Maybe, you know, I, I want to torture you, but I want to leave you breathing. <laughs> I like I want to torture you. Oh, for I, sure. Yeah, I like that as a, as a declarative on this. So now, as mentioned, uh, you're the, you know, sort of original cell character that we're going to talk about here today is Clarice Starling from The Silence of the Lambs. Uh, one of one of the all-time performances in one of the all-time films from one of the all-time directors. Um, so I, you know, to start, I guess, just tell me everything about why <laughs> you, like, when, when was your original experience of Clarice? Okay, it's a great question. Um, and and I, <laughs> I'm going to try <laughs> to tell it in order. Okay, um, okay. because, you know, when, when the opportunity to do this podcast came up and, and you guys, you know, asked, you know, what did you feel seen in sure. it, it caused me to, to, to panic because I was like, I, I, it's not how I've, it's not how I've been aware that I've watched movies before. Yeah, I've yeah, been, yeah. you know, I, I tend to, um, I, I, I tend to just kind of get, get lost in a world, For sure. um, and, and not being, so character specific, there's also a lot to, to say, <laughs> or I think that people could say when, when you say, yeah, I, I really connect with Clarice Starling. It's like, oh God, do people think that, that I think that I'm so smart or that I'm so cool? <laughs> you know, it's like just, just a, a, a total mind fuck. You well, guys. then it becomes so a thing of like, of like, like the, talking about Clarice Starling as we perceive Clarice Starling or, or as Clarice perceives Clarice Starling. Like, sure. It, right. It, it, yeah. it could take many different avenues. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I barely remember the first time I saw the movie. The, the first time I saw the movie, I, I must have been really, really young. Mm -hmm. uh, loved it. Like, it, it stuck with me. But in that way, when when you're young and you watch something that you can't fully understand, but you know it's good. Mm -hmm. um, My first movie memory is Hellraiser. So, yeah. We'll tear your soul apart. I hear yes. you. <laughs> and then you rewatch 
watching, you're like, oh, this is about an affair. And, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. When I was five, I didn't get what was going on here, but I was into it. Wow. Exactly. Twist. Exactly. Yeah. Was it the colors or or was it the story <laughs> that I was interested in? Yeah. Um, so yes, exactly. You you understand what I'm saying. Uh and then I had a really, you know, unique opportunity which was in early 2020 mm. when they were making the TV show. Yes. I got the audition mm-hmm. and I was really excited, but I hadn't watched the movie in a couple of years and I had never read the book. Mm, okay, uh, yeah. So I decided I'm going to read the book and then I'm going to, I'm going to watch the movie. Uh, and I loved the book. I got through it in like three days. <laughs> uh, and and then I I watched the film and I was kind of shocked at how much I related mm-hmm. to Clarice. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And also how like I've always like Jodie Foster is uh, an incredibly talented woman. And and I hadn't realized how much of her performance in that movie and everything else I had seen her in uh, had kind of seeped in and had been the kind of performances that I wanted to give. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Like very osmosis, like hadn't really realized that she was someone who I really admired and looked up to as, mm-hmm. as an actor. Um, and, and then Clarice specifically as a character, I recognize that she is someone who came from a completely different world, mm-hmm. you know, um, small town, if you will, mm-hmm. who who admires her father, yes. you know, wants to be in some form of um, law enforcement, wants to be in, in some form of, of law enforcement, mm-hmm. but has such greater um, aspirations mm-hmm. for her life and, and really reaches for the stars and, and not through being a genius, but through hard work and persistence, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she, she makes it further than, um, than I can guarantee anyone in her life would have expected her <laughs> yeah. to get. Yeah. yeah. I, I, cause I, I, I rewatched it again, like last night and Me it, too. like, I had forgotten how early on, like it's immediate. I forgot how early on in the movie we get that shot of Clarice in the elevator surrounded by men in red polos. And she's already been out for a fucking morning run. She sprints back when she's told that she go, she needs to go see Scott Glenn in in Mm -hmm. HQ. Mm -hmm. And you just, and you get the immediate like light sort of check down of how accomplished she is. Like, well, Mm -hmm. you're top of your class. I don't know. They haven't posted grades. Like, but she knows, like Clarice knows, but Clarice (laughs) knows you, you feel in your bones that Clarice knows she has to work twice as hard as every buddy else in that elevator in a red polo shirt. And Mm -hmm. I forgot how early this movie says Clarice Starling is that bitch. And she is surrounded by a bunch of people who probably make a lot of assumptions about her size and her physicality and her gender at every turn that she is constantly having to upend. And I was like, wow, Jonathan Demme came out swinging with this. Okay. Yes. And, and it's, you know, I, I, I love to read and I love when books are, uh, adapted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a lot of the time I'm, I'm disappointed with, mm. with, with how it turns out. And, and it's not even the fault of the film. It's just as a, as a, as a fan of, of books, you, you know, you create your own narrative and, and mm-hmm. there are things that are important to you that you want to see represented in the movie version of, of mm-hmm. the book that you love. Um, 
And, and that scene is, is from the book. Like it's mm-hmm. one of the truest okay. book to film uh, adaptations that, that, that I've ever seen, which I really admired. Uh, and, and yes, like that scene has always stuck with me. And, and another thing about it, um, personally is I, and I think, I think, uh, Clarice has this too. When you just see Clarice Mm -hmm. and you see her working so hard, um, all you see is this, this capable person, like, Mm -hmm. yes, like her gender is female, but you see a very capable person. And then, you know, they do the juxtaposition with her in the elevator and you see how, how small she is. Yeah. And, um, as a person, I, I have that realization quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like w- when when I'm doing my thing and I feel like yes, I am I'm putting one foot in front of the other to pursue my my ultimate goal um and I and I feel, you know, just strong that I'm that I'm putting in the work uh and then I will literally be around people and realize oh my god, I'm so small. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm so small and and I'm still trying, Mm -hmm. um, but I am physically small. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) it sounds silly, but it's, it's true. Um, and, and I really like how they, you know, Clarice is, um, and this is something, you know, it's tricky to talk about because in the film, the way she handles sexism, Mm -hmm. which is, Knowing it's going to come, yeah. Ha- having learned how to deflect it and learning how to use it to her benefit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but living with it, and I think that's something that you know, especially in the '90s, but early 2000s, like like and being from the South, I'm from yeah. a town called Texarkana, like. Mm-hmm. That's how I learned to deal with sexism. Right, 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 for sure. And and it and it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I so prefer, um, the modern take, which is, you know, if, if you're a sexist, you're an asshole and <laughs> fuck you and I'm not putting up with it. And if I think you're flirting with me, like I'm going to punch you in the face because mm-hmm. you don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the time that I was brought up in. Right. Yeah. Right. So the example that I saw in Clarice was, mm-hmm. okay, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But there are times I can use it to my advantage and I can try to make sure that I feel safe. So that armor mm-hmm. that, that, that she creates, mm-hmm. um, I, I think she was a mentor again, just mm-hmm. as a character for me right. to learn like, okay, this is how I can deal with these things and and protect myself. There's that great moment, that I, another moment I'd forgotten about because it's just so seamless in the film when she's in the car with Scott Glenn after they've examined a body together. When, when I... I told that sheriff we shouldn't talk in front of a woman. That really burned you, didn't it? It was just smokes, darling. I had to get rid of him. Matters, Mr. Crawford. Cops look at you to see how to act. Matters. Point taken. She's not even a full FBI agent at this point. Like, she's clearly in her circle. She gets to Hannibal, Dr. Lecter, in a way that nobody else can. But she is still, like a fucking student. She's at the academy and she's going to the boss and she's being like, it matters what you say. And it makes a difference in how they treat me. And he's like, all right, noted. Thank you for that. Like she literally is speaking truth to power in that moment in a way that she doesn't know. She hopes it could compromise everything that comes after in their relationship for her to check him like that. But she fucking does it anyway. And you're like, wow, Clarice, Clarice can handle it. And like you said, like you have to find your way through, like you have to find your way within the 
bullshit of it to be like, listen, sometimes I have to exploit this to make it easier and better and okay and safer for me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, I hate that I have to make that choice, but sometimes that's the only choice I have. And so I, I, I appreciate you raising the sort of duality of like that being a necessary part of the the conversations non male people, gender queer women have to have with themselves. In addition to wanting to be the like, no, you don't get a flirt with me. I'm gonna smack you in the face. Like <laughs> I'm in charge of my own life. And it's like yeah. that doesn't get to be the answer all the time. And we have to negotiate. We have to walk the razor's edge of both. Yeah, it, it's true. Um, and yeah, just in that scene, I think she she recognizes that that this is someone who who is on her side mm-hmm, mm-hmm, who yeah. who wants to help her um but but did but but corrects him in a way that that they can both learn mm-hmm. and move forward um and again that that's a position that I've been in a couple of times mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. someone has um either you know physically you know touched me in a way in front of business people. And I've mm-hmm. had to be like, Hey, I know you like me, but this does not help us in mm-hmm. this environment. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, it's detrimental towards me. You, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it affects how people look at me. And, and since you care about me or I perceive that you care about me, right. Help me, you know, be seen as, as a professional. Yeah. As an adult, as a as a peer. Help me uh, take up more space than I physically do because I need to be seen as somebody who's big in this room. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think there, there's an interesting, I, I like the Jodie Foster aspect of this too, specifically, like like you were saying, I mean, just a titanic performance and her, her physicality on screen. But like Jodie Foster too is somebody who we watched grow up on screen. Jodie Foster went from a child to adult in front of our very eyes, playing some of the most, like growing into some of the most like intensely iconic female performances of of the era, particularly around the 80s and 90s in films like this and a film like The Accused. And I was, you know, reading reading stuff, catching up, trying to sort of get a, a sense of your approach to things. And, you know, talking about producing on this film, uh, you remarked upon how, like, the idea of, like, with you coming up through the industry, having spent so many years on, on Castle and us really you know, Molly Quinn growing up in front of our eyes. There is abs- there's a perception of actors and then what they get offered in the work that people think of them for versus the reality of who they are and what they want. And you are one of those people who haven't come of age in the industry. You have had to, like, in progress, not like you've had to in progress be like, no, 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 this is the career that I want to have. And this is the career that I had have that I loved. But now I'm carving a new path of Mm self-determination. And you have Clarice in this movie, too. And you have Jodie Foster of this actress, too, who are so sort of beholden to the legacies of them, but are trying forcefully to carve this path of self-determination. And and I liked kind of the consideration of those parallels between the two of you. Well, that's an incredible parallel that I, I mean, I'm, I'm flattered. I'm like, as a, as a young Jody Foster, Molly. <laughs> oh man. I mean, but, and, take and it, run about, with it. Yeah. And, and she's a, a multi-hyphenate, you know, she, she's a director. Absolutely. She's uh, just a, and, and a fantastic director at that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. It's, it's art is really kind of, um, it's fascinating because people, I think in acting specifically, especially when, you know, what you want is a hit, 
you know, you, you want, you want a castle. You, mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you really want that. It's very important. Um, and, it's, and it feels help. great. It's a big help. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's exciting to tell those stories and have people connect with you in that way. Um, but because this is such a face forward medium, mm. um, people, people have a hard time letting you change, accepting mm-hmm. a change. Yeah. Um, even though it, it's it's a great example. People have literally watched me grow up, but they but, but they also haven't. Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like stuff. Yeah, they think and they think they kind of ha- they kind of think they have, and that's yes. like they like nobody means to, but there's just like suddenly like a Rolling Stone series of assumptions that like oh well we've watched real Molly who we know is an actual person <laughs> and a fully fledged yes. individual grow up, yes. and it's like oh that's not quite the case but <laughs> yeah I appreciate you being here with me and and, and I love who you love I love that, that you right. connected to Alexis and and I love that um but now it's time for me to hit you over the head a little bit with mm-hmm. Agnes and mm-hmm. show you everything else and 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 that I guess is the positive struggle of of, of being an actor of, of being an artist which is um you you have to keep pushing the boundaries to mm-hmm. to show people that that there is more that there are other stories to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's you know that's why I'm excited for people to to see Agnes because mm-hmm. it's um it's near and dear to my heart and it's it's a very different character than people are used to seeing, but yeah. one that I believe uh, has just as much merit yeah. for people. Um, and I hope they connect to Mary in, in, in a similar way. And that what I mean is, and how I look at being an actor is, is, is really being kind of a, a channel for people to see themselves in and to work. Through I couldn't problems. agree more, Molly. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. That's so that's, um, so, so, and that's what I hope to always do. Mm-hmm. And even if that's um, only behind the camera or um, in front of the camera or doing both at the same time, like, mm-hmm. like with Agnes, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think it's just an amazing way to, um, to heal yourself and mm-hmm. to uh, deepen your relationships on top of being entertained, you mm-hmm, know, cause mm-hmm. that's the obvious thing, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're entertained watching silence of the lambs, you know, it's a yeah. great movie. Absolutely. Um, but then when you think about, um, when you think about Clarice and, and, and this is a, a slight tangent, but mm. just something I'm really connected to it in, in the book and they, and they barely touch on it mm. in the movie, but you know, everyone is hitting on her. Yeah. Um, and there's this, you know, unspoken flirtation with her teacher. Uh, you have Hannibal, you have Migs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you have uh, the the doctor uh, over the asylum. Oh, yeah. Ch- Chilton? Chilton, yes. Chilton, Chilton. yeah. Bastard. Uh, and she deals with them all in, you know, very deft, different ways. Uh, but when she's with the... Um, the I don't what, what's it called? Uh, it's not an insectologist, but when she's with the oh etym- etymologist, et- etymologist, I think that's an etymologist. Yeah, yes. yeah. When she's with the etymologist, uh, and and you see her, you see her actually flirt back. What do you do when you're not detecting, Agent Starling? Try to be a student, Doctor Pilcher. You ever go out for cheeseburgers and beer? The amusing house wine. Are you hitting on me, Doctor? 
Yes. Oh, yeah. She is like, I'm going to give as good as I get at this moment. It's yeah. a fascinating texture in a character that really dissociates herself from that kind of interaction with people the whole time. Except he's so kind. And, and in, mm-hmm. the, in the book, that's who she ends up with. She ends up oh, dating him and being, yeah. And, and to me, and especially watching it now, it was, mm-hmm. it was so true to life. You mm-hmm. know, she, she isn't an ice queen, which is mm-hmm. what people tend to think when, you know, women don't accept. Yeah. Um, the guy attention. walking down the street who cat calls you and he's like, oh, bitch. Exactly. Like, exactly. Thanks. But we do want love, but we want real love. Yeah. We want real admiration you know (laughs) we we want real affection and tenderness um and especially someone like Clarice who has had she she had a real traumatic childhood yeah you know and really had to um rely on herself to to get to where she is and and this is just one step you know we're just Mm -hmm. seeing a part of uh we're literally seeing her school life we're not getting to see what she goes on and and what she Mm -hmm. accomplishes which I think is a lot. So to, to have those things, you, we all need companionship, mm-hmm. you know, we, we need that love. So I, um, I just, I really like that choice mm-hmm. and I so agree with that choice that, that Clarice makes to, to give attention to someone who even in that one scene in the movie, you can just tell he's kind yeah. and, and, and he's a goofball and, <laughs> and he's real Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's, that's what just she Smith, he's so to. he's impressed by Clarice as much as yeah. he's intra- attracted to Clarice. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly it. Uh, that's exactly it, man. And <laughs> it's just you know, in my in my own dating history, um, you know, I got to a point where it was like everything I'm initially attracted to is wrong. It always gets me in trouble. That feels like the unifying female experience. <laughs> Maybe. I hope, I, hope, I hope there are women out there who are, who are much smarter than me. But At least it's a just, very common unifying female oh. experience. And, and, I, and I said, I was like, if you keep doing this, if you keep <laughs> going after what feels like this initial attraction, um, you're just going to get the, it, it's, it's the definition of an insanity, right? Yeah. Like, you're I get found the exact my pattern here, result. Jesus. So let's try to, let's try to break it. Let's try to <laughs> open the door, go for something different. And, uh, and, and that's how I met my production partner and fiance, Elon mm-hmm. Gale. Mm-hmm, I literally, mm-hmm. we had been friends, um, mm-hmm. but you know, I hadn't, he had never really like laid on the vibes and, and, <laughs> yeah. and Good man. or if Good he man. had, I hadn't really noticed, you know, but we would just have like nice conversations. And, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to ask him out. I'm going to, I'm going to see. And, and feminism, ladies and gentlemen, it, yes. and it was great. And I did. <laughs> and he has been a, an equal partner in, in all things and a supportive partner, uh, and it's truly because I just said all these other things you're doing are wrong. <laughs> like the, 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 the flashy, you know, popping jays out there. Like uh-huh. it, it, it's not working. Let's let's try to go for someone who is um, who's genuine mm-hmm. and who has a, a real unique opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. So I just and I I wonder now if if part of that realization again goes back to Silence of the Lambs and Clarice. <laughs> I just, I'm now wondering how much, to Clarice as far I'm, as I'm exactly, concerned. I'm wondering how much of her has impacted my life. 
All right, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Molly is going to talk about her connection to the horror genre. So stay tuned. Hey there, beautiful people. I'm Travel Anderson. And I'm Jared Hill. We are the hosts of Fantai, the show where we have complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the things that we really, really love sometimes, but also have some problematic feelings about. Yes, we get into it all. You want to know our thoughts about Nicki Minaj and all her foolishness? We got you. You want to know our thoughts about gentrification and perhaps some positive? question mark Uh aspects of gentrification we get into that too every single thursday you can check us out at maximumfun.org listen you know you want it honey so come on and get it (laughs) period from the internationally acclaimed creators of who shot you comes the movie podcast Maximum Film, starring producer and film festival programmer Drea Clark as a woman bound by passion. I saw this eight months ago on the festival circuit, and I loved it. Film critic Alonzo Duralde as a man corrupted by greed. Why watch one Hallmark Christmas movie when I can watch seven? And comedian Ifiwadiwe as a man protecting a love that society simply won't accept. I think Pacific Rim is a perfect movie. And if you can't accept that, then I want you out of my life. From the makers of the movie podcast, Who Shot Ya? comes Maximum Film. That's right. We changed the name of our show to Maximum Film. But don't worry. We're still a movie review show that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. So tune in to Maximum Film at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Feeling Seen. I'm your host, Jordan Cruciola, and I'm speaking to Molly Quinn about Clarice Starling from The Silence of the Lambs. Getting back to the role of Clarice and the performance of Jodie Foster. I mean, I feel like the performance, the performance in the role, I feel like it's almost like they age even better than they could have landed on impact because for for Clarice to exist as she does in 1991, to feel like a character, like to examine her for, for, for how we talk now and the way discourse is now and what we know now and what we're willing to say out loud now, the character holds up phenomenally well. It doesn't feel like something that needs to be sort of consigned to like the 90s where it's like, well, we weren't as far as we wanted to be yet. No, like Clarice feels like, feels like a, a woman of any time. And that is an incredible thing to watch when we're so used to having to sort of reevaluate and retcon things as we go on. That's really true. Um, And, and, you know, those those main themes of uh, hard work and persistence um, are just core values that I think that's part of what makes her feel uh, timeless, Mm -hmm. you know, because she doesn't she doesn't have the advantages of money or family or mm-hmm. connections. Um, she doesn't have a photographic memory. So she's a, a super genius. Right. Yeah. She just, she works hard. She has her close group of friends and she deals with problems as they come up. And she's a, she's a creative problem solver. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I do mm-hmm. think that there is real world value to that more so than um, just being, because I think and this is this is always my issue with characters that are just honestly like like the Sherlock's, you know, yeah, that are yeah. just like I, it was like I was that was sort of immediately was like Sherlock in his mind palace, just yeah. like piecing everything together from thin air. Yeah, exactly. And I think when when you're like that, it's um first off, 
it, it's not real. So it's, it's kind of hard <laughs> to connect to, yeah, you know, off. and, and if you are close to that, I think there tends to be a, um, an inability to get creative mm. when you don't immediately know the answer or it's not in the realm of, yeah. um, of your expertise. Uh, and you know, I don't consider myself, I'm, I'm not a very smart person. I'm not good at spelling. Okay. Um, there I, are many different kinds of intelligence, Molly. I kind well, of refuse is, to accept this. Well, no, like this is, this is the point that, that I'm, that I'm getting to. Okay, it's, great. Um, I, I'm here for you. But, but I do work hard. And when there are things that I want, mm-hmm. I really put my all into it. Um, and, and that works, mm-hmm. you know, passion, passion coupled with, um, with hard work and persistence and surrounding yourself with people who support you, but people who are also smarter than you in certain areas Mm -hmm. that, that helps you achieve. And it teaches you, I think the, um, the, the overwhelming gains you can get by surrounding yourself with community. Yes. It teaches you that you're not an Island Mm -hmm. and that there's more to learn by allowing different people of different expertise Mm -hmm into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so, so that's what I mean. And that's mm-hmm. what I, that's what I love about Clarice is that she, she isn't afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, I think she's, she's, she's a pro question asker. Oh God. Uh, yeah. And, and she knows that, yeah. And she has to do things by herself too. You know, like when she is, uh, <laughs> moving the door up at the storage unit. Oh my God. And she yeah. has to get her own, <laughs> yeah, her own car jack and the whole thing. Uh, yeah, she, she is willing to get her hands dirty. And I love that about her. I really, uh, I feel seen by that, <laughs> by that. I really, really do. Well, it, a thing I wanted to like, you know, like you said, like sort of finding your, finding your people who will compliment you and sort of like complete, complete the total picture of yourself. And I've, 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 you know, you obviously like genre film, horror film, and you've mentioned that being like you and I think your business partners are kind of all on the same page about that from what you've expressed. Mm-hmm. And obviously we have lambs at discussion here and then we have Agnes, which is coming out. And I wanted to hear about like, what is that relationship with like my, my area of emphasis is, is horror and particularly sort of like queer influence in history and in, in horror. So mm-hmm. I always want to know like where does that relationship with the horror come from and, and why is there that strain of resonance for you in the genre it's a great question and it's kind of a, a lifelong pursual too mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um i think the stories that you can tell under the guise of horror are are really varied and you can mm-hmm. get into some very um you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you when you put a what your dog your dog's medication in peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, yes. You know, it's, yes. it's a way to hopefully get something through beyond the entertainment. Um, <laughs> the entertainment of the peanut butter pocket. <laughs> exactly, because um, because with Agnes, you know, it's 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 really um, for me. It was a story of of loss and mm-hmm. how when we don't have a community mm-hmm. around us to to really listen and to help us heal um that grief can just eat you from the inside out mm-hmm. you know it's it's very difficult to um to have any kind of life when you are carrying around that 
that baggage. And, and I think mm-hmm. there are steps that you can take to, to heal yourself, but you also need connection mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. need people, um, to listen. And for me, that really hit close to home because, you know, my, my biological family, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're not listeners mm. and, and they weren't, um, <laughs> And in really detrimental ways, mm. uh, a friend of mine um, died when I was uh, 15 mm. and and everyone around me was just, you know, saying everything happens for a reason. Like immediately. <laughs> I grew up in a very uh, I grew up in a very, very religious town. And, and most of my close friends growing up were were very were evangelicals mm-hmm. uh, four square typically and uh, a lot of. A lot of faith-based stuff like that. I yeah, I doesn't help in the awful. moment. No, it doesn't it, it help doesn't, in the moment. It, it doesn't help at all. It's so yeah. detrimental. Mm-hmm. And and I had no one to talk to. And and you know that's and and that's that's one aspect that made me really turn away from religion. Mm. Um, I'm also I'm I'm bisexual. I came out to my dad. We twice. love we love it. Thank you for Thank sharing. You. I'm, Queer I'm, space. I'm a, yeah, proud, proud bisexual. Proud, proud um, asexual spectrum. Here we go. Yeah. Fly the flags. Dude, like I came out to my dad twice. And God damn it. And each time, like I remember the second time in particular, he was like, oh, this is, is this just because of that thing that happened when you were a kid? And I was like, you mean when I was molested by my babysitter? No, no. that thing was a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. This is something I've had to work through on my own to mm-hmm. realize that I identify and I'm attracted to women and men equally. Yeah. And it's a very important part of my life. You're like, um, and that it's also a fucking joyful part of my life. Like it's a part yeah. of me I celebrate. It's not a yeah. part of me I mourn. Not at all. It's, Sorry, it's a, I want to punch your fucking thing. dad. So. I, trust, I, I have punched him. It was a wonderful experience. Um, but you know, yeah. they, those are all the times that I tried talking to them before I finally realized, you know what? I have nothing to prove. And I know that it can be wonderful when you have biological family that listens, but I don't, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I do have other people in my life who can be there for me. Yep. And you know, what, one of those people is, is my friend, uh, David Dasmalchen, who's an incredible filmmaker. Oh, what a talent. God. What a talent. What a talent. Um, Jesus. He, he's, he's really. And what a story. What a life. Yes. And like, I remember, um, he, I was, I, I was at his house. We were having dinner with him and his wife, Eve. And, uh, he said something to me. He was like, you know, you're just, you're so well adjusted basically. (laughs) And at the time I was really kind of roiling on the inside, um, because I had been having this reoccurring nightmare for a week straight about, um, my damaged relationship with my mom. Uh And I finally just looked at him and I was like, David, I'm falling apart. I, and I told him about this dream and I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And he listened and he was like, this is a really great uh, therapist that I know. Oh. Talk to them, reach out. And I did. And it was incredibly helpful. And so like as a person that he was just there to listen and that he shared resources with me to help myself. That's um, a friend who wants you to have that. That's a person who wants you to have the help you need to get better, not yes. the help they want you to need to be yes. what they need you to be. Yes. 
and and that's why he's family mm-hmm. and and Absolutely. quite honestly that's that's what agnes is it's mm-hmm. all those things that that i went through that i felt like and and you know and i'm and i'm proud of all the work that i did do by myself to kind of claw myself into some type of healthy mindset but if it wasn't i'm just meeting you and i want you to know i'm proud of you for that i want you to know that. it's fucking <laughs> thank impressive you. thank you um but but it it got so much better once I found my family, my chosen family. Absolutely. And they shared their, their space. And like you said, they wanted me to get the help that I needed, Mm -hmm. not what they thought, Mm -hmm. you know, was right or yada, yada, yada. And, Mm -hmm. and that's what Agnes says. It's really exercising all those demons. And that time when I was trying to do things by myself and, that was only because no one that was supposed to listen mm-hmm. in that movie, the church, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, they, they're supposed to be a spiritual guide, but they're not. Uh, and eventually through all these, you know, different kind of tangents along mm-hmm. the way, finding someone who, you know, even at the end when there's the monologue between Mary and, and father Benjamin, he tries to prescribe, mm-hmm. he tries to say, Oh, you should come back to church. Yeah. But as soon as he hears Mary say, yeah, I I really don't think that's for me. And she also has to be in a place to be honest Mm -hmm. about saying, because there's a difference when you go, oh, yeah, maybe. And in your head, you're like, oh, yeah, that's not going to (laughs) work. And you you actually vocalize, you know what? No. Yeah. That's not going to work. So it takes honesty from you. Mm -hmm. And then it takes the other person hearing that and saying, okay, let me try to get out of the advice that I always give people, you know, kind of my template Mm -hmm. and create something individual for this person that's in front of me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, and that's what the movie's about. And that's why that, (laughs) that last scene is really so important because it really represents the first time someone listened. Right. And and quite honestly, that, that might've been David. David might've been the first person who I felt comfortable enough to be honest with Mm -hmm. and who, listened and and helped me and truly mm-hmm. helped me well and what I you know that's such a that's such a beautiful experience to have had and in it what what's so important what's important to me about this what I want to do in these conversations that I have with people in this in this forum is that like the idea of being heard and the idea of being seen and the idea of being reflected back creates possibility I think for people and it 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 even if if you don't have something like concrete in your life maybe to hold on to for that kind of validation we can see these fictional people on screen that we can build these relationships with and we can have these connections with that provide us with a metric for a sort of baseline of our own perhaps aspirations or demands on ourselves or goals that like I think that's such an incredible thing and incredible possible it's such an incredible possibility of the art form and it's why I'm so excited to have these conversations and I I like the way I kind of like like to go toward the end of the conversation with people here is talking about like, you know, particularly somebody on screen and now somebody who's like making their own work through producing like and, and you talked to previously, like wanting to create channels for people to like actually kind of find themselves in as well. Like I wanted to talk to you sort of about like with that vehicle of self-determination that is like your company and, and making sort of work for yourself. And it's fucking hard, but you're you're doing it. And then being the person who embodies those things on screen too, sort of like. What is what is seeing something like a Clarice give to you as like possibility for what you can do? Like, what is that? What does that map out sort of like the possible for somebody in your position to generate so much for themselves? And and 
possibly for others. Well, I can say, you know, what, what Clarice gives to me. And I think the reason I'll return to that film and, and return to her so many times is, um, one foot in front of the other mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it may take time to solve a problem and mm-hmm. you may have to give a lot in return, you know, and those exchanges that, that she has with Lecter, mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. never, she, she never gets out of it without having to reveal her emotional currency. Do you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube, a well-scrubbed hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition's given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor wire trash, are you, Agent Starling? Yeah. <laughs> and and she gets a big return, but I guess to me it's it's really a, a lesson with life, which is you gotta give to get. And that's mm-hmm. how you create real relationships. I mm-hmm. think that's how you create real art. Uh and yeah, that's that's the lesson I, I take from her and that I feel personally and that I feel for our company. You know, we mm-hmm. are in the beginning of something, but I feel that if we keep giving all of our emotional currency to it, mm-hmm. I think we will attract other artists who see that we are just as willing to put our heart on the line mm-hmm. as they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love, thank you so much for that answer that like you've been so, you've been so generous of spirit and, and conversation, um, in this. And I really, really appreciate that. Molly, tell us, tell us where to find, where can we find Agnes? When, when is Agnes in our lives? And if you want to give like a summary of that as well, like, please let the people know what they're looking for and that they should goddamn well go and find it. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Agnes will be available on December 10th uh, on VOD and in theaters, which is really exciting. Uh, If you like horror, Mm -hmm. but you also like getting something a little different, Agnes is for you. It's the story of possession, whether that's demonic or it's personal, Mm -hmm. and how dealing with that kind of turmoil has aftershocks in our life. Mm -hmm. So, you know strap in get ready to go for a ride yeah this and, movie and, this movie turns and surprises i can i can emphasize that yeah and have a lot of great conversations around the holidays about it argue <laughs> with your friends about it and then tell me about it uh follow me on twitter and instagram and i want to know all your feelings about it cuz i think <laughs> what's really special about the movie is how each perspective from the viewer is mm-hmm. so unique. You know, mm-hmm. we we give you a map, but it's up to you to like get to the final destination. <laughs> Molly, thank you so much for joining me today. I've had such a nice time talking to you. I really, really appreciate you being willing to really get into the sort of canals of this conversation. And it, you know, it's all contingent upon how down people are to to talk about it and 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 really sort of examine the nature of like the possibility of the question. And I I really appreciate you embracing that. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the platform to do so. I, this went to places that I didn't expect (laughs) and I'm really happy we went there. So thank thank you. you. I'm so excited to hear that. That, everybody, was the wonderful Molly Quinn. Please do check out Agnes. Uh, Support little independent films. It's so exciting when um, it's out 
on demand now, but if you can catch it in a theater because it, it is playing on some screens and you feel safe doing so, uh, it's a really cool thing to be able to do to support little, uh, little artsy genre films uh, because the theatrical experience is, is pretty rare these days for, for movies at a, at a mini level. But before we end, I wanted to talk about, you know, I wanted to talk about another pair of movies that either uh, were not necessarily easy to see in theaters or that no one went to. And those two movies are Benedetta, like I said, we're making it a nun theme, Benedetta and The Last Duel. Now, people didn't show up in droves to see Benedetta because it's a French language film uh, by a Dutch director. And yes, he's the guy who did Robocop and he's the guy who did Showgirls. And then there is The Last Duel, which is a Ridley Scott film starring the megawatt stars Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and the incredible talents of Jodie Comer and Adam Driver that approximately seven people went to see in theaters. <laughs> the reason why I think they sit sort of in conversation with Agnes is these are movies that these big ones, the, the Scott and the, and the Verhoeven features, are ones that people had a lot to say about before they came out that wasn't necessarily true to the reality of the film. And why is that? Because nobody had seen the films. Because nobody had seen the films. Or if it was coming out of can like uh, Benedetta did, a couple people saw it. And because there's nuns in it having lesbian sex, the idea of the sensation tends to overtake how sensational any movie could really possibly be. And then, of course, with The Last Duel, I was team, honestly, I will cop to it. I was team fuck this movie when it was announced. And all that we knew, all that we knew when this movie was announced really was that it was inspired by true events of like the last sanctioned duel under like the French government um, hundreds of years ago. But what I was writing about in this casting announcement was that Jodie Comer was cast as the wife of Matt Damon, a man she is decades younger than. And she was cast as the wife who, warning for language, who was raped by... Um, Adam Driver's character and then these two these two men Driver and Damon were going to engage in a duel to determine the veracity of uh Comer's character's assertion that she had been assaulted by a man she was not married to. And so I was like, "Oh good, Jodie Comer gets to play the assaulted wife and decades younger woman to an older man. Check off those Hollywood merit badges. I love the character of Villanelle so much." that it hurt my heart to think of Jodie Comer having to break her way into features, playing these really cliched aspects, um, these really cliched kinds of female characters we've so often seen and relegated off, seen relegated off to the side in big movies. So I was a total dick about this movie when it was announced. And then I saw great reviews coming in. And they were like, critics I trusted were like, guys, Last Duel rules. Last Duel fucking rocks, you guys. And I was like, okay. It's time. I need to go see for myself. I need to go investigate. I need to go and potentially eat crow after I had condemned this film. And I, I don't know that I don't know the last time I was happier to eat my words about a movie. The Last Duel might be my favorite movie of the year. Um, it's one of the best times I've had watching a movie this year. And in It and Benedetta, you have these two films by these legendary directors where their reputations precede them. And the reality of what shows up on screen, I think, was so 
out of step with the binary, sensational way of describing them or getting pissed off about them in the lead up to their release. And then, you know, the movie that we talked today with Molly about, Agnes... It's it's multiple movies in one experience. And as you start engaging with it on one level, it switches gears and then becomes a sort of in different tone entirely in an investigation of sort of like, you know, existential collapse and and loss of faith and the need for love and dealing with trauma. So I I like these three movies in conversation with each other from like such different ends of the production spectrum to just remind us of how exciting surprise is in movies. So I don't know, just embrace the surprise. And if you're going to have loud opinions about things, at least go see the movie you're gonna have loud opinions about if that's gonna be like a mentally okay experience for you to have. Uh, Benedetta, The Last Duel, the 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 insane sex and power double, double feature in my mind for 2021. So get out there and let's all be surprised at the movies again. And that is our show for today. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod. Or join our Facebook group at www.facebook.com slash groups slash feelingscenepod. And you can also send us an email at feelingscene at maximumfun.org. If you want to follow me, I am Jorcru on Twitter, J-O-R-C-R-U. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. Our producer is Casey O'Brien. And our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. And this has been a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported